1: Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
0: With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more
1: participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.
2: Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities... This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within we the people means everyone
0: hello and welcome to the social psychic radio show this is jason zook it's a great pleasure that i have the opportunity of introducing special guest anthony teresi author of the book rippling waves a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe anthony teresi is a renowned clairvoyant a master astrologer psychic visionary sound healer and author of the new book, Rippling Waves, as I just mentioned. His life work has been the development, refinement, exploration, and mastery of the highest intuitive and psychic realities of consciousness. As a child, Anthony began having unexplained visions of things yet to be, and a prescient knowing far beyond his years. He later discovered he is the fourth generation in his family to be blessed with perceptions and visions. And as Anthony matured into an adult, His desire to fully embrace these gifts continue to grow. Anthony's approach fuses ancient concepts such as spiritual attainment mastery, intuition, and sacred geometry, and integrates them with emerging fields of neuroplasticity, epigenetics, heart-mind coherence, and the wondrous concepts relating to the field. This knowing empowers him to see, hear, and most importantly, interpret messages from spirit, revealing profound inner truths. Anthony has taught and administered spiritual healing and guidance to thousands of people around the world as they search to experience and understand the unseen forces that shape and transform all of our lives. Anthony believes that universal love is the deepest truth and that love is the source of all existence. Anthony's heartfelt quest is to continue spreading the simple yet all-encompassing truth throughout the world. To learn more about our guest, please visit his website at AnthonyTeresi.com, it's with great pleasure that I welcome Anthony to the show. Yes, now here, welcome okay. to the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pleasure to be here. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful.
0: Pleasure having you here. I I looked at your book, and I'm really fascinated by Rippling Waves: A Spiritual Journey Through the Heart of the Universe. By the way, I thank your publicist for getting me the book. I haven't had a physical book sent to me in a while. <laughs> and it's beautiful. I love this book. It's a great thing, an easy read and a great read indeed. I want to ask you, looking at your book, what made you come up with the title, Rippling Waves?
1: Well, it is a simple way to describe the nature of consciousness. Consciousness itself, in which within which everything exists, uh, is expressed in rippling waves. Uh, science lately has shown that. And if you go back centuries and millennia, even, you'll see that uh, the Neoplatonists uh, discovered that, uh, the Egyptian philosophers uh, discovered that. They called it uh, something different. But in fact, it's been called something different by by many sources. Uh, But essentially, creative expression from a spiritual standpoint and from a universe standpoint happens first in waves. And then gravity fuses the waves into things.
0: I saw some terms at the beginning of your book that I want to go through a couple of these terms with our audience. Source, I understand, is God, creator, and I am. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And can you just define emanation?
1: Emanation is the process by which source, uh, on, on a grand scale. Uh, emanation is the process by which source uh, moves onto consciousness to create uh, its will from that standpoint. Uh, a more local or perhaps easier to understand concept would be uh, from a, a mu- uh, musical standpoint, for example. A uh, musician who is creating spontaneously is emanating that energy into existence and creating the sound we hear. So it, uh, it relates to that process.
0: Frequency is a, is a word that I always talk to people about, energetic frequencies and vibrations. And I wanted to, just to see if you could describe frequency and if you could explain what you mean when you refer to rippling waves in your book in the context of frequency.
1: Frequency is everything. Uh, frequency is essentially a number. I mean, technically speaking, it's an oscillation. But when we look at the nature of the universe and we see where, what everything is, uh, our senses, for example, perceive reality in frequency. We see the frequency of a rose. We, see, we hear the frequency of sound. We uh, see the frequency of sunlight. Uh, it's all frequency. Uh, we have been Raised, if you will, to look at these things as object objects, but they are, in fact, if you break them down, and that's what I love about the new science. The new science has done that. Uh, we are now uh, very sure that we are ninety nine point nine 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 six percent and nothing uh, that there's uh, that much uh, space between everything, and the only thing holding us as well as everything else together is a a frequency signature. It's a certain rate of oscillation or a certain rate of vibration. Vibrational frequency is a term you'll hear a lot in my book. And it it refers to that as far as us as the little mini universes we are up to the uh, vast uh, uh, dimensions that house everything.
0: I think one thing I find very interesting about your book is the idea of the journey inwards, as well as the journey to infinity, that The multiverse is one of the things I got from my review of your book, Multidimensional Aspects of Our Existence. And I wanted to see if you can kind of get into that a little bit with our audience. Let's say members of our audience are lay lay people and they don't really contemplate a multidimensional existence. And I wanted to see if you can kind of get into that a little bit and just share with us your your viewpoints on it.
1: Oh, I'd love to. It's uh, one of my favorite subjects. (laughs) Uh, Well, first of all, I want to make a point because frequency is what it is. Uh, We are experiencing that level of existence here in this three dimensional uh, land as objective form, et cetera. Uh, Frequency is what the universe is based on as I said before, but dimensions have frequencies as well. And in my book, uh, I take us uh, through, the reader, through the initial stages of waking up and realizing that there is something uh, greater than ourselves. And uh, we talked about this pre-show, but I'll make a point out of it right now. The first thing that actually happens that I have found, anyway, most people, when they really, truly seek that place within and they're upon first awakening... The one thing they are struck with is that they, in essence, are love. They are love in the truest sense of the word. It's not just a metaphor. Actually, you are an expression of love, you being anyone who's listening to this. When you realize that, it becomes a, a choice at that particular point. You either go along your own individual way, but almost invariably somewhere along the way, you're going to want to share that. And this is what we're doing. So we take the, the from the point of transformation. I use a metaphor. I use different stories to t- to take the reader into that point, so they can understand what exactly that is. What essence is? I use I, I define essence in in the uh, opening terms, and through that door, through the door of the heart, uh, often referred to as the gateless gate, we ascend through the different stages of frequency. The first part, uh, uh, chapter deals just with that, transformation, meeting the uh, uh, Bodhisattva uh, uh, ascended masters that have uh, uh, devoted their existence to seeing our evolutionary species through. Uh, And we go from there to uh, the next dimension, which is transcendence, where I outline a civilization or a species of people, uh, the city which is named Trasara, uh, in which they function, and how it, how beautiful it is to see uh, an entire a species of, of of spirit functioning on an integrated whole, and what they can accomplish by uh, by this unity and this divine love. That, they, that unifies them all. And uh, I, I, there's a lot of uh, description in the book. The book is very visual. Uh, but uh, I can't, I don't think we have time for me to get into all of it. I'm just going to. I wish we <laughs> but, did. <laughs> yeah, That's some pretty fascinating
0: the, stuff here. We also uh,
1: the next uh, level is cosmic consciousness. And mm-hmm. it, is, it is what you think. Uh, it is the consciousness of the universe. We go through the universe of universes, the multiverse, if you will. Uh, And in that process, we meet uh, uh, elevated celestial beings. We uh, are contacted by seraphim, by uh, angels, and by celestial presence that I, to this day, I can't really name. I gave them a name in the book because I have to refer to them in some regard. But um, these are incredible beings, eternal uh, beings who uh, are here to help us, are here to bring great uh, direction and joy, which I outline uh, in the third uh, chapter, uh, uh, which is, again, is called Cosmic Consciousness. And at the end of that, we are directed, and I will just make a note of this. In searching, through this third chapter, I deal with the very nature of how reality comes into existence. I deal with how vibration infuses energy and through gravity creates uh, objective reality. But at the end of that chapter, we are directed, if you will, by an incredible presence, which I refer to as the daughter of love, who tells us that, these adventurers into determining the the nature of the cosmos are intriguing, but it's not the way. Uh, the true way is to go within, searching for that love that is the source of all things. That's the most worthwhile adventure, if you will. So that chapter ends on that note. The next chapter is divine love, and we uh, I uh, outline. Uh, unfortunately. I don't know, maybe fortunately, um, evolution in this regard uh, is not always in a straight line upward. We make mistakes. We do things that uh, can set us back. And that happened to me. Uh, and I outlined that in the beginning of the first chapter where I made some mistakes in terms of like uh, consciousness and over overconfidence perhaps might be the best way to put it as far as what uh, I was uh, doing. And I uh, got a setback, big setback uh, and had to start all over them. But ultimately I was successful. And uh, the end of that chapter uh, takes us into a phenomenal expression of uh, the imaginal, which is the, the most divine uh, dimension Uh, that exists as far as our ability to reach that true sense of being able to see ourselves as spiritual beings and to answer, not all the answers, but we are able to answer, who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? These are the answers to questions that have been asked uh, since the beginning of time. The fifth chapter, which is called "Unity," uh, universal unity, is a chapter that deals just with that. Uh, it uh, outlines a sort of thinly veiled uh, <laughs> disguise of our own society, I might add. Uh, and uh, it deals with uh, uh, ranging from our bar- barbaric past uh, up to what we can expect in terms of our personal development and how we can go from where we are now uh and again i outline a way it's not the only way but it's a way in which we are able to transfer and transform our society as a whole work together and pull together so that the that the vast amount of abundance that exists both energy-wise and spiritual and spiritually can be harnessed and put into the context where we can all live abundant lives. At the end of that chapter, we come full circle. We are unified as a planet. We realize our destiny in this universe as a people, and it ends on the high note of being inducted into the local system and being welcomed by our star family uh, who have already been here, both celestial, physical, and evolutionary beings of all kinds who exist all around us. We haven't been able to see them because our vibration is simply not uh, uh, there yet. So that's kind of a long-winded but short. Perfect, actually.
0: (laughs) Perfect encapsulation of the journey of your book because I looked at at it and in review of our interview, it reminded me of like an epic. It reminded me of uh, a book like The Time Machine when I was younger. H.G. Wells, you go on this journey and you meet all these intriguing, amazing individuals and entities and spiritual beings. I want to ask this. How did you go on this journey and how long did it take you to complete it?
1: This is a journey that is the result of a lifetime of work. Uh, I have put it into story form because, uh, I mean, I could have and it was suggested by my pop, uh publisher, but suggested that I might want to think about writing it as a memoir. And I thought about that for a minute, but uh, I decided I wanted to write it as a uh, in the capacity that I have because I wanted to share it. I wanted to make it a we, not an I uh, kind of mm-hmm. story, uh, because I wanted uh, my reader to understand that this a level of awareness is available to everyone. It's just not. It's not just me. I mean, everyone within sh- earshot of my voice has these abilities. But for some reason, we are not incorporating this into our system of life. I mean, here on, in the Western world, there are many places in the East, for example, that that do promote higher consciousness and the fact that there's no reason to to stop. But to answer your question. I put this lifetime's worth of work into this story vision, which uh, brings to bear these various uh, experiences that I've had in a way that uh, is cognizant and makes sense.
0: I have, as the inner child in me, finds it fascinating to think about a multiverse and multiple dimensions. What I know we've discussed it a little, but what's your viewpoint on that? You know, like you... well. Like multiple existences of ourselves living different lives. Is it something like that? Or is it something that like your journey that you've encountered all these different beings and, and, and gained all this insight? What's your viewpoint on it?
1: We can exist in any universe that we can focus on or become aware of. So my point in the book, and i tried to make that, even though it seems like a journey, And even though it seems like we're going from here to there, there is no geographic context here. These frequencies exist simultaneously, and the way we visit them is by raising our vibration through love and through focus in, in that regard. The greater the love, the greater the awareness. And again, this has taken me an entire lifetime to master a musician for many years it took me almost 20 years just to get to the point to where i could master my instrument along the way i've studied all of these things i've had experiences and slowly but surely i've come to realize that and my my best example is this it's a very simple example but to give you an idea of what i'm talking about when it comes to uh the states of consciousness they exist And they uh, exist uh, in an interpenetrated state. For example, if I were to have two flashlights, one a little dimmer than the other one, and if I were to turn those flashlights on, cross the beams, where where they would intersect, they would both exist simultaneously. And uh, one would be just a little brighter, and you could see a little more than the other one. Now, if you take that analogy in that example, and you apply it to the uh, states of frequency and the states of dimensions that we're talking about here, that's the more accurate representation.
0: Okay. What influence did yoga have in your early spiritual journey?
1: Tremendous, tremendous influence. Uh, I mean, yoga is so much more, so much more than the Hatha yoga postures that we see you know, on uh, any uh, YouTube video, right? Uh, There are eight limbs of Patanjali's yoga, uh, and and they deal with the entire spectrum of consciousness, life, spirituality, development, psychic abilities, mental abilities, spiritual devotion. uh, And it was one of the, I was so fortunate. It's one of the first things that I came upon uh, when I first started doing this way back as a teenager. And it has stuck with me ever since then. And it has—it continues to have a profound effect on my life. I mean, I just uh, love I love any discipline that no matter how hard you study and no matter how much you apply, there's always more to be. There's always more to learn. You never run out of stuff.
0: Absolutely. It's infinity, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Knowledge. <laughs> I was looking at your background in your book. You mentioned that, you know, a family tragedy happened with your brother. Um, when he his plane crashed in the jungles of Mexico, I think we're on the top of a mountain eight thousand feet above sea level. And I wanted just to see if you could share your brother's how your brother's disappearance impacted you and ultimately led you to your first transcendent experience.
1: Sure. um, it's been quite a number of years ago, uh, so um, but I, I'll, I'll go through it. Um, my brother was flying his own plane to uh, Acapulco. He had business there. He had flown quite a bit, and uh, occasionally he would be gone for weeks, maybe even two or three weeks. And so he took off, and we said goodbye, uh, and had never heard from them again. And about two, or three weeks went by, month went by, started getting worried about what was going on. So I decided uh, get in touch with uh, the Acapulco airport, and they informed me that he never arrived. So I we became concerned. Uh, I come from a big family. Uh, My brother was uh, my next youngest brother. We were only 14 months apart. So I flew down to Acapulco and uh, decided, and not decided, but I went down there with the idea and the intention of finding out what happened no matter what the outcome was. I hired guides. I went through every town, every location, uh, every village there for a month. And again, I hired uh, uh, any and everyone who knew the area. And that's some pretty, back then anyway, that was some pretty wild country. And I mean, in certain instances, I was a little concerned about whether I was gonna make it back or not. Uh, But I was driven to find out what the answer was. Um, And after a month or so, in that stretch between Acapulco and Zewasone, it was where his plane disappeared, or Ixtapa, some people know it. Um, I traveled, again, every place, everywhere, every road, every village, everything, and came up with zero. I was not able to find anything. Uh, people had heard planes crash, but upon investigation, we found they were not the plane that I was Sitting there in my hotel room, uh, about ready to come back, then the very next day, I was having to tell my family that I had been unsuccessful and that we simply didn't know what the outcome was. I was frustrated beyond belief, as you might imagine. Uh, I had done everything I could and still had come up empty. Anyway, as I sat there uh, on the verge of tears, uh, the room began to become bright. Uh, I looked around, I couldn't grasp for a minute what was happening and all of a sudden there was this burst of light. It was as if a veil parted and these amazing streams of light came bursting through and I was just shocked. I was like frozen in my in my spot. and through that light came my brother. Uh, he was not in a physical form. he was in a uh, ethereal form for lack of a better term, but it was my brother, no doubt about it. I would know him for sure. He uh, told me that his plane had crashed and that he was moving on uh, and he has uh, come to say goodbye and to tell everyone that he loved them, but he was uh, moving on. He seemed absolutely overjoyed and thrilled uh, as opposed to sorrowful about what was happening, which to me was the most amazing sense of relief and yet loss i can't even put it into words i tried to in my in my book but it uh the experience it, it's been said that when one is laughing and crying at the same time they are experiencing the highest emotion and then that, that's what was happening i was like i was in tears but i was You're like ecstatic
0: <laughs> ecstatic from like exactly. spiritual abundance exactly. and having your yeah. brother come to you i could I so imagine we,
1: we concluded our conversation he said goodbye uh the light withdrew and I was just shaking. It was the most extraordinary experience I'd ever had. Up to that point, I had been studying these things and I had been a musician, I was a musician. Uh, I had been developing along artistic and aesthetic lines, but this was the point where everything changed. This was the point where I knew, I experienced for sure that number one, death is an illusion. And number two, these dimensions do exist. And I just—I I personally believe that uh, through the frustration, I was able to tap a certain place of love in my heart uh, for missing my brother, who I was extremely close to. We were almost like twins. And I believe that uh, that was the vehicle by which uh, we were able to connect. Asterix, about five years later, about five years later, We received a uh, notification from the Mexican government that quite accidentally, uh, the wreckage of this plane had been found. Uh, It was at the 8,500-foot level, uh, blown up into a canyon north of uh, uh, Zihuacaneo, an impossible location. They just happened to be hikers uh, uh, who had come across it. I would have never been able to find it. I would have never been able to reach it. And at that point, it became evident to me that uh, I had been drawn there for that particular purpose, to have that experience. And uh, uh, like I said, since then, it's heightened my abilities beyond measure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went from the purely academic to the experiential and never looked back.
0: I love I love synchronicity my favorite thing to talk about. I could talk about it till I'm blue in the face, go to sleep at night. I wake up, synchronicity, everything. When you're talking about your story and your journey, I get so much synchronicity with what you're saying, with what I've seen in my life as a medium, where I tell people that death's an illusion. We transcend, love connects us to our loved ones on the other side, and that we are all on a journey. And uh, talking about rippling waves, as I was in, in the midst of it, I was like, this book resonates with me. I can understand what you're talking about when you described your experience with your brother in the hotel room because I had one just like that with my grandfather. That's neither here nor there. But what I'd like to share with you or at least uh, point out to our audience is that this journey that you've been on that you're putting in your book can teach so many lessons to each of us if we sit and listen. And I think that the most important part of that is understanding the concept of love, that we're all one and that we're all interconnected. And you, you brought up some interesting things in your book that I like, highlight, I'd i like to highlight during this interview. Sure. And I'll give you an example. I, I, I brought up your brother because I, I just it resonated with me because you have a personal loss that then became a spiritual catalyst for you, uh, a sure. paradigm shift. And you evolved because of that. Um, but looking at your book and what I liked about it was, and I think we mentioned this before I got on the air, on the show with you, you, you have your chapter with the maiden and the bedouin. And in that chapter, my read of it was that the maiden uh, had a deep thirst. She was in the desert. She she kept seeking a mirage and she was literally looking, looking, looking for it, couldn't find it and kept stumbling. And then the Bedouin taught her his language and through that knowledge was able to help her understand what she needed to do for her journey. I wanted to see if if there's anything I missed on that part of it or if you can explain a little further because I thought it was an interesting anecdote and had spiritual relevance when I saw that. So I wanted to see if you can touch on that a little for our
1: audience. It is a story that is uh, written very simply, uh, as you know, uh, and it deals with our own pursuit of illusion, Maya, if you will, and uh, what is truth for us. The underlying which I have a lot of underlying themes <laughs> about. <laughs>
0: Sorry.
1: But the underlying theme here is the Bedouin represents the maiden's higher self. And once she is able to tune into her higher self, her higher spirit, wh- whatever you want to call it, uh, then she is able to perceive truth. And so by learning his language, quote unquote, which was her own opening of her heart and her own understanding of the spiritual truth she was drawn to the actual object of her uh, of her affections the reality of that so by by and and through that experience she was able to become one with her higher self and then that opened up the the rest of the story and the vision for her to come to uh the next level
0: i love that anecdote i wanted to have you highlight that Another example was when you mentioned the sage and you talk about how the sage showed you hundreds of thousands of years in the flash, I believe in in part of your discovery. And my question, when I was looking at that, I I wanted to ask you, what was your experience like when you encountered the sage and what did you learn the most from this experience?
1: The sage experience was monumental uh, in that, again, it gave context to more than one lifetime. It gave context to the history, not only of my own soul's journey, but of the journey of the species of uh, which I am part of, uh, humanity, if you will. And it showed the various lifetimes going as far back as uh, there may have even been more. But what I saw in that one vision was about all I could take at that particular time, as far as the overwhelming part of it. But the sage represents the wise master of time and space, who is the uh, keeper of the Akashic records. I don't necessarily put that in there, but that's what he represents. And he was able to show me the past leading into the moment, what my participation had been, where humanity had had uh, had mo- moments and opportunities to step through the window or the door of uh Enlightenment, but failed to do so and crashed and burned and had had to rebuild. And oddly enough, every time humanity crashed, and I think this is a question that has been posed by many Egyptologists and people like that, neo-Egyptologists, it seems that whenever humanity uh, is annihilated, which often it is, we lose our collective memory. and We have to start all over again. And I saw that to be true. I saw that humanity had to start from the barbaric sub uh again and build itself up. And uh th- that brought us into the moment. Uh, and my feeling was that at that particular point that I had been shown the participation that I was then going to be given an opportunity to step into and do again.
0: Interesting, because when I saw that, when I read that part. I was thinking of the decline of civilizations, how any culture, no matter how successful, it seemed like they all changed and transformed and started over. And that just made me think of the repetitive cycles of, of our existence and everything in seasons and days of the week and hours of the Everything's in a cycle. To me, that, that, that resonated in that aspect of it.
1: When I, look, I want to, make one, want to but, make one more point about that. It wasn't through the sage primarily, but in that vision of those hundreds of thousands of years, I make the point that with each cycle, there appeared above the heavens, an ascended master who was more or less the shepherd or the guardian of that aspect of of evolution or growth. And I've seen this many times and uh, they're referred to as ascended masters. Uh, Some organizations give them names. I, I don't know uh, if that's true, uh, if they have names or not, uh, uh, but I know that they exist, and I know that at the end of each cycle, they are responsible for being sure that our species and our planet and our uh, uh, evolution does not lose everything. Uh, we may be destroyed, but there's always a few people left to begin anew.
0: That's a, that's a reassuring thing for us, for yeah. sure. Going into the priestess, because I, I found that also as a as a as something to compare with. And for the priestess, she's she showed you the future Correct. of humanity and I believe of the universe. Is that right?
1: Humanity and our and the universe and our particular evolution moving forward.
0: Well, I have to ask you a couple of questions about it. What <laughs> was the most fascinating part of the future that you saw that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Well. First of all, the priestess represents uh, the intuitive forces that by which, uh, uh, not that, but the intuitive forces by which we are able to know beyond our mind. You as a medium, I'm sure you use that energy quite often in terms of what you know that. So I wanna make that point to to begin with. This was not an intellectual uh, discovery. Uh, from that point forward, uh, when the priestess came into the picture, we transformed into a spiritual intuitive energy that allowed me to even perceive what she was presenting. And she presented uh, this uh, a similar set of cycles, but that grew and grew and grew and developed and were refined to the point to where it was really encouraging to see that at one stage of our evolution, we made it. We got we got past the the barbaric uh, gloom and uh, doom uh, that uh, constantly is driving us into the sand. We got past it. We made it. And again, uh, with with each cycle uh, of the future, a new Bodhisattva or uh, or master uh, appeared. It be, uh, it became more beautiful. We became more beautiful. We became uh, beings of light that ascended uh, into the future. And of course, this is the basis for later in the book and the fifth chapter that brings uh, brings meaning to how we evolved into that last phase of life that pushed us into our uh, cosmic neighborhood. Interesting. What is
0: uh, Mandalora? one of the terms i was looking at earlier and i was like mandorla mandorla sorry
1: yeah mandorla is um it's an intersection it's used a lot in the flower of life philosophy or, or symbology if you will and uh in the way that i use it we use it as like sort of a crossover point we go from the cosmic the very very edges of the cosmic uh, uh awareness which uh, very uh, similarly uh, as this uh, image behind me they sort of curve off and uh, they uh, melt out in, into the divine if you could see it I'm gonna uh, I guess you can't see it uh, but if there was a opposite line that went underneath it there would be a space in between and that space in between is where both the cosmo in this case, where both the cosmic and the divine exist simultaneously. And in that space is where the garden of lilac is and where I met the dove. And that is the energy that brought me totally across that line into the full uh, expression of the divine consciousness.
0: I'm gonna ask you something that's outside of your book, but might be absolutely. Time. Sometime next month, I believe the government's going to reveal more footage about UFOs and aliens and stuff. And I want to just ask you, based on your, your spiritual journey and your book, what are your views about alien life? And do you believe that we will be enlightened upon our interactions with alien life in the future?
1: Well, I take issue with the term alien because I okay. think of life. <laughs>
0: yes, that's true. I, I
1: think life, the universe is teeming with life. The only problem that I'm having right now with all of this is the difficulty of how can I put it? All right, you're Captain Picard, okay? And you're <laughs> you're circling the planet, right? And you're and you're saying to yourself, well, they look like they're reasonably involved. Uh, let's let's make contact. Who do you make contact with? <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if
0: you don't know, yeah, it's we could be ants so, to them.
1: From from my standpoint, I don't see I I don't see us having full blown contact where, like, you know, we actually have uh, an induction and a uh, introduction, if you will, until we have some sort of realistic planetary unity, some sort of planetary government that speaks for all people. When that happens. I believe the very, very next step is this very issue of of formal contact. Until then, I think that they're going to continue to show themselves as as they have over the many centuries. If you look back, there are uh, uh, 2,000 year old paintings that actually show uh, uh, objects hovering in the sky in the painting. If you don't look very closely, you won't see them, but they're there. Okay.
0: I was just watching a show about that last night. Yeah, for this yeah week. It's fascinating. <laughs> Ancient aliens.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but my feeling is is that they will continue monitoring us. But I don't. Th- I you know I mean you hear this about the greys and you hear about the reptilians and all that. And to be honest with you, I believe that life is life. Uh, we have uh, affected different forms of evolution in different environments. But I believe that at the very core of it, we are all spiritual creations. Uh, And I believe that uh, we have been visited, are being visited, and in many instances are being uh, helped along in terms of our journey. But um, where we are right now is an interesting place because if you listen to the media, you know, we're in a complete... crazy time of polar opposites and all the above but the reality is is that there's this wide swath of people who are emerging as a great awakening right now there is uh this new renaissance that is happening at this particular point you're part of it shows like yours are part of it i call on that in my in my book i call them the artists the scientists the writers the luminaries To project this concept that we are one people and love is the highest force whenever you ask why the ultimate answer will be love i don't care what the question is if you're asking why it's because of love okay we're here because of love and when when we begin to and that's my uh, purpose in this uh writing this book is to reach these people the ones who have uh, failed. Religion has failed them. They they, they cannot uh, help them uh, achieve an enlightenment and they don't really know where to go. People like yourself are going to be readily uh, aware of this and readily accepting of it. But there are millions, maybe even billions of people that are really lost and really need help on how to find enlightenment and how to find that true space of happiness and love in their heart. And that's what this is about.
0: What is your understanding of the gift of focused love projection? And how does it relate to your journey and mission spiritually?
1: Focused love projection is a term that I I created. uh, And it represents a technique by which once uh, involved, once we are able to put it into effect, would create a circuit of love in uh around the entire planet it's based on gatherings at the earth chakra points uh of which i made a short uh youtube video called earth chakras i invite you to read, to look at it uh and it brings to the surface that there are seven major and five minor points on the planet uh that uh are, are the equivalent of the chakras within ourselves uh, but they are the chakras of the planet uh, my contention is is that if we are able to gather uh, as many people as possible at these points and in a synchronistic way continue to to focus twofold one focusing on one of the greatest uh, events of our life that we can conjure or not conjure but uh, elicit so that we are experiencing the the power of that love. And at the same process, and many meditators would find this easy, at the same moment, be able to focus on a location, uh, uh, for example, from Mount Shasta to the Island of Sun in Mexico. And we are able to connect these points around the planet where the energy is flowing already. We would just be jumping into the stream of the planetary energy, I believe that uh, with enough people and with enough uh, technology uh, to monitor this, we would begin having the most powerful effect in terms of like an outpouring of love that the planet has never seen. Uh, I think I'm a little bit ahead of my time on this one, but uh, not so far.
0: But needed, very needed, (laughs) based on everything that we've been going through. Yeah. What has been your favorite part, if you were to discuss it privately? of the journey that you describe in your book that you personally lament on and think about with appreciation that you experienced that changed your concept of of life and who we are and why we're here?
1: Boy, that's a hard one. Um, Because you had so many positive ones. I mean, I I truly must say that I I feel that I'm a blessed individual. I used to call myself lucky, but I'm (laughs) not going to do with luck. (laughs) (laughs) It's a blessing. Uh, I've been able to pursue these uh, directions in my life uh, and been able to create uh, having, you know, uh, be able to make a living at it uh, and do well. Uh, So I I think that the main thing for me is to have had a upbringing, a household in which my initial skills and gifts were uh, were allowed to flower. I think growing up in, in uh, the household that I did uh, was very instrumental in me even being able to accept and being able to even be interested in pursuing this direction.
0: You know, that's an interesting point you raise because I know there's members of our audience who I encounter these people all the time ask me, well, how do you know you're, you're intuitive and how did you develop it? Because I get these nagging things that come true and i don't know what they are but i'm confused and scared by it and i'm not sure what to do next and i'd ask you what advice would you give someone like that if they were to ask you that with their well, own first,
1: first of all uh don't be afraid it's the highest gift that you have number <laughs> one um I, I can share with you uh the times that i had as a child when at was seven or eight nine years old I would tell my mother that my aunt was going to be calling and sure enough, the phone would ring 10 minutes later. And, my, and everybody would laugh and it would be like, you know, it wasn't made to be out anything, any big deal, right? So for me, it was a natural uh, intuition that developed over time. But to anyone who has uh, the uh, example that uh, you put out there, I ask you, how often have you had to make a decision, and you, you you got the answer, but then you said, "No, nah, that can't be right. And you went and did it and something else entirely. And then you look back and you said to yourself, oh man, I knew that, I knew that was it, okay? That is your intuitive voice talking to you. That is your highest consciousness. That is what's tapped into the greatest force that exists in the, uh, in the universe start listening to that voice with no fear and you will be fine the only fear you might have is what has been indoctrinated into you through some of the religions and some of the things that say that these things are are false because they don't they don't want you to, to develop your intuition it's, it's not it's not cost effective for them <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah cuz if ever if if all of us could speak to our higher power We'd all have our own message.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Uh,
0: What do you find to be the greatest challenge awaiting us as a society going forward based on what you saw for the future that was revealed to you with the priestess?
1: Well, I will answer that question, but before I do, I will preface it by saying many people will probably completely disagree with me. But the greatest challenge to our future is nationality, Uh, this uh, concept of, my country, your country, you're not as good as I am because I'm this and I'm that. And this exclusive or exclusivity that exists when in fact we are all literal, literally the species that dominates this planet, at least it seems so. So I think that uh, once it becomes evident that we, we may not be able to drop our boundaries, but I think what will happen in the not too distant future, I believe that because of things like, for example, the pandemic, that's a global event. You can call it a plant pandemic, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but that's a global event. And unless we approach this as a global family, it'll continue to affect us over and over and over again, as will many of the climate change things that are happening. Again, whether you believe in these things or not, I'm not, I'm not espousing any philosophy. I'm only answering your question, but I think that Sorry.
0: you know what puzzles me the most with everything that's happened in the last year here in the in the United States and even with across the world is what you brought up a great point is what happened with George Floyd a year ago tomorrow, and how race relations in our country have been at its you know tightest moments and, and throughout our entire existence. And last year when all that happened, I went to several protests, and I remember thinking to myself, how could people not get the concept that we're all spiritual beings, we all have the same essence inside of ourselves, our bodies are vehicles that are our avatars that transform us and, and, and bring us around in this world. But then once we, we exit, we all go back to the same source and, and, and we're in another, another realm, at least that's my understanding. So why would someone think they're better than someone else based on their, their vehicle? <laughs> It's like someone judging someone based on the car you drive. It's like, come on, get with it. You guys need to evolve and get over this racism thing because you guys are being really stupid right now and you're limiting everybody
1: with it's, your it's idiocy. It's really holding, yeah, I agree. It, 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 really it, it's,
0: I think the more spiritual you become, the more you look at that concept and say, okay, does not make sense?
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, and, you know, here in our country, it's the black and white and brown concept. but. Prejudice exists all over the the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I was in Tokyo uh, a while back, and uh, I was with a guide, and we were walking past a park, and in three different languages, uh, on a bronze plaque uh, on the entrance to the park, in English it read, no dogs are Chinese allowed, and I went uh, what is that? He goes, Oh, uh, Chinese people are not looked on very favorably here in Japan. And it went, you know, it was a discrimination that I couldn't figure out, but it was real to them. Okay. So, uh, discrimination, I believe, is a psychological disorder mm-hmm. with the need that makes one person need to feel higher than another one.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree I mean, with you 100%. It's,
1: it's the main thing holding us back from unity uh it, it is uh it's a scourge on our on our uh species
0: i believe it is one of the greatest threats of our existence right now and if anyone in our audience wants to meet alien life then they should start promoting unity and dissipate with the thoughts of racism or thinking you're better than other people we got to come together with it's we have too many challenges as a planet to not i want to ask you this because we're running low on time but i want to end on a better note uh, in terms of, of your amazing work because I think what you've created has been extremely fascinating to me. I love having a guest on the show that's a fellow psychic who has spiritual a very strong spiritual repertoire, I shall say. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you this. When you look back at everything that you've experienced and if you were to have one historical figure that you could sit down with and explain your experience to, who would that be and why?
1: Boy, Again, that's a hard one. Um, there's actually several in different in different fields. I'll name them quickly. If I were talking about intellectual issues, I think that I would go back to uh, a Neoplatonist philosopher called Plotinus. Uh, he uh, he wrote the Enneads. And he was someone that profoundly affected me in terms of like uh, the mystical side of uh, creation and, and the, the beauty and the wonder of pursuing that. On another uh, end, I was deeply affected by, in, in an artistic sense, by the school of jazz that emerged out of New York City from John Coltrane, Miles Davis, and, and people like that. On another track, I was deeply affected by Paramahansa Yogananda, by the Patanjali's work, by uh, some of the authors like uh, Carlos Castaneda, Herman Hesse, uh, and Corinne Helene, who were all, again, way before their time in terms of these kinds of things. And more recently, I don't know if I can name their names, but uh, people like uh, Lynn Taggart, uh, Joe Dispenza, People like that who have, have uh, brought these rather mystical uh, elements into a more scientific vein. I, I don't think science is the actual answer. However, uh, in terms of influence, I, it gives a certain validity, if you will, to what we're just talking about. So I think those are representatives of four different areas that have affected me profoundly.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm going to end on a, on a lighter note. I ask all my guests if you were spiritual, if you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? I'll give you mine. I always say I would pick owl. It sounds simplistic, but I consider I have two parrots as pets, and I've always associated with birds. But spiritually, I like the way that the owl is wise and pursuit of knowledge, and you know, even an owl can see things from all perspectives and all points of view. So that's why I pick that.
1: Well, I would have two, but I'll just name one my spirit animal would be the eagle. Uh, the eagle uh, is one of the few birds that can uh, fly for hours and hours. is a loving parent and is, again, one of the few uh, birds that can fly effectively against the wind and continue to rise. And so I find those qualities inspiring.
0: I would say eagle for you too because you're a trailblazer, and eagles are eagle. <laughs> so that's great. I mean, yeah. Let me let me just ask you this: if our audience wants to get a hold of you, I mentioned during the intro your website. I wanted to see if there's and it's anthonytarese dot com. I wanted to see if there's any other social media links or anything you would like to direct our audience to get your book or just learn more about you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm on everything: um, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, uh, if you just look up my name. AnthonyTeresi dot com. Uh, you'll see a variety of uh, different links. I'm very uh, thrilled to be um, in in that uh, social group uh, because of the exposure. But my site is really the the one thing that has everything to it. It has. Uh, my book. It has my services. It has my fees. It has uh, uh, copies of my other uh, interviews. It has uh, free music that I've recorded uh, as well. So if you want to visit my site, which is myname.com, that would have everything.
0: Great. I uh, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your experience with us. I think it's fascinating to think that you're able to take so much and consolidate it into one book. That
1: I, I, I really tried my best, best to make it as simple as possible. And it's not quite so simple in some areas, but I tried.
0: <laughs> I love the symbolism in it. And I love, I, I've read a lot of books in my life, but I really did enjoy Rippling Waves a lot. So I appreciate you coming on. I just want to thank Anthony for coming on the show. Anthony Teresi for coming on. We uh, had a great conversation regarding his book *Rippling Waves: A Spiritual Journey Through the Heart of the Universe*. Check out his book; I think it's an amazing read, something to definitely cherish and look at uh, to expand your viewpoints about how the interplay of where we are, why we're here, what our purpose is, and where we're headed. And definitely check out *Rippling Waves*. If There's anything you get from this book is just to keep an open mind and definitely it'll change your perspective in many, many, many ways. You can check out Anthony's information, as we said, anthonyteresi.com. Until next time, be positive because when you're positive, anything's possible.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as
0: you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply, subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating
1: items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.